0: Thank you for joining us at Truth Matters Church, a Bible teaching ministry. Today we hear part two of the review of our study of the Godhead. After scouring scripture to learn more about the relationship of God the Father and Christ the Son, today we'll endeavor to understand more about the Holy Spirit. As you'll hear, there is still a great deal more to unpack on this topic but we'll do our best to use scripture alone as our source of truth in our quest to have an accurate biblical view of his role in the Godhead. We encourage you to search the scriptures for yourself and pray for God's wisdom and understanding and not to rely on man's teaching alone. And as always, if you have questions or comments about today's lesson, please reach out to us at truthmatterschurch.org. Leading our study today is Pastor Alex Katarroha. The
1: gospel is God had a son, and he sent him to be the savior of the world. We get it. We get it. Okay? So we get the father and son, right? We got this. What about the Holy Spirit? What about the Holy Spirit? (laughs) So... Let's talk about the Holy Spirit, shall we? What about him? Okay, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I have it all figured out. I'm always just like the Apostle Paul, though I can't be compared to anything like him. But when he says, not that I've attained it, but I press on. So concerning the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to say I know it. But I I do want to give the word more time to continue to mature in my heart and in your heart. But there are some things that we can learn concerning the Holy Spirit. Who is he? Well, before we get to that, let's look at examples when he manifested himself on earth. So right now, we can't see the Holy Spirit, but we know he's everywhere, right? He was hovering over the waters even in creation. We can't see the Holy Spirit and he's like the wind, right? As Jesus told Nicodemus. But when he shows himself, he was manifested in these ways. He came as a dove and landed on Christ. So he manifested in the form of a dove during Jesus' baptism. When you get to Pentecost, he appeared as tongues as of fire and distributed among the believers there, and they all began to speak in languages and prophesy. So he was manifested in those ways. But here are other ways he's in, he manifests himself. The spiritual gifts. You know, right now, even for someone like myself, the Holy Spirit is showing himself. He is manifesting wisdom, knowledge, faith. There's even healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, various tongues or languages, and interpretations of tongues or languages that's what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians twelve, four and 7. He goes, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministry and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works at all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So if, as a believer, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, That Holy Spirit that lives within us also gives us certain gifts and those gifts will manifest itself when we are operating in love and obedience to him. So, for example, right now we're going through the scriptures and we're learning the manifestation of the Spirit. He's showing himself. He even said, our Lord said, Don't, you know, when he was the helper, he goes, Don't worry about what you might remember or might not remember. He goes, The Holy Spirit will bring it to your remembrance. So, when the apostles, let's say they were writing scripture and they might have forgotten a detail, the Holy Spirit was there, manifested himself, and they can see it with complete precision and clarity. So, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in a variety of ways and these were a list of them he also manifested in in this way you know the fruit of the spirit in our heart do you know when we love god and i love you and you love me because of this faith this common faith that we share that love is a manifestation of the holy spirit you can't possibly love god by faith apart from the Holy Spirit's work in your heart. So in a believer's heart, when we have love and joy and we have this peace, even though the world is going to the gutter and going into further depravity and darkness, there is this peace within our hearts that transcends all understanding because we know that we are but foreigners on this side of earth. And then when we have patience, when we don't do what we want to do naturally and instead we go through that in suffering and we instead demonstrate kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are qualities of a child of God and those qualities come out and show that you're a child of God when the fruit of the Spirit is manifesting himself in these character traits. So this is how we can see the Holy Spirit on this side of earth he was manifested in these ways a dove tongues as a fire and he you know may manifest himself in the spiritual gifts when we're building up and edifying the body and yet also in the the character of our lives so we can see his work and in those unique examples he actually showed himself in those ways But here's what also we know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is He who gives eternal life and we cannot be born again apart from Him. You and I, when we put our faith in Christ, we were sealed with Him, with the Holy Spirit of promise. And when the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in our our hearts and in our life, we have eternal life. Even though our body is wasting away, we have eternal life. And that's the Holy Spirit. He is, it's he who gives us life and we can't be born again apart from his work. Here's another thing about the Holy Spirit. It's the Father's Spirit. The Father, God the Father, Yahweh on the throne, he has a spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. But it's also the Son's Spirit. Acts 16.7 calls the Spirit the Spirit of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is shared by the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. You and I cannot know truth apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. So when we say, Lord, give me eyes to see, ears that hear, and a heart that understands... What we're really saying is, Lord, by your Spirit within me, bring out these things and bring me to maturity so that I may see you rightly, see your work rightly, and see your work even within me rightly. And we know about the Holy Spirit. He was sent by the Father and the Son to be our helper, our comforter, and our teacher. So we can't be born again, we can't know and have faith in the Son apart from the Spirit's redeeming work. But here's a, here's a observation. We're in Revelation, right? We've so far gone through the first five chapters. We've started to do chapter 6, but when we were taken to the scene in heaven in chapters 4 and 5, remember I, I, mean, I use this as an example. It's like it's if, if, if heaven had a window, and let's say it had curtains, and then those curtains were opened so that we can actually see into the very throne room of God, who did we see? We saw the Father sitting on the throne. We saw the Lamb as if slain at his right hand. But we didn't see the Holy Spirit. You know what we we did see? Or what what are we introduced to? Here are some figures. We have the Father, the Lamb, the 24 elders, the seven angels over the seven churches. We have the four living creatures, seven mighty angels. We had myriads and myriads of angels. As well, there was other angels. There was Death Angel, Hades Angel. There was the angel Abaddon who had specific tasks. We also saw souls under the altar, those who came out of great tribulation. And what we'll see is we're going to see fallen angels because some are going to fall to earth, be given authority to open up the great abyss, and there was an angelic rebellion when Satan and his angels are thrown out of heaven for the final time. The Holy Spirit. We see two prominent figures with great authority, the Father and the Lamb. That's what we see. So with that, here's my case in point. Even though the Holy Spirit is not a person-figure, Nor was he the center of attention on or around the throne. Please don't get this twisted. The Holy Spirit in no way diminishes him and his role in salvation. So although the Holy Spirit is non-seen as a person in heaven, he is nonetheless the spirit of the living God personified. A good way to look at it is like this. Uh, So when you read, let's say Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman like woman, like she's to be sought after. Wisdom is personified as a woman. So if you were to say the Father and Son, they they share the same spirit, they have the same DNA, if you will, but if they were to be personified, that spirit shared among them, it would be the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. And the father and son share in that same spirit. So I like to, you know, I like rocking the boat. Why not rock it some more? What does this mean as far as the doctrine of what we know as the Trinity? Scripture reveals a father and son relationship. And the father and son are distinct beings just as the father and son in a human relationship. And although distinct beings, the Father and Son, share and are united by the same Spirit. So I'm going to rock the boat, okay? Why not? If there's any teaching out there, you get a theology book, and we get to the doctrine of God, and like who God is, and they'll say God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they'll go on to say that all are equally God. What do you mean by that? That's my question. What do you mean by that? Because we know that the Father and Son are two persons with different personalities. So let me define a person for us, okay? A person, when we say a person, you have a soul, a spirit, and you have a personality. That's what makes you you. And what makes me me. But when we read theology books, when you say there are three persons, are you saying there are three personalities? There's the Father is a person, the Son is a person and the Holy Spirit is a person. That's what our, the- theology, uh, our theology books in mass production is teaching us. I'm going to say that's not quite accurate. What we're learning is the Godhead, there are two personalities the Father and the Son, the Lion and the Lamb. There's only two. We looked in heaven. We, we saw the Father sitting on the throne, the Lamb as if slain. Where is this other person or personality? Nowhere to be seen. We only see two. So this doctrine of the Trinity, I know it's trying to account for the Holy Spirit and, the, and Christ himself refers to him as a person. He's like, I'm going to send him and my Father is going to send him in our, you know, in our authority and he will be your comforter and he will be your teacher and he will be there. So we're like, oh, okay. So we're thinking, oh, he's this other person. You know, our Lord could just very well be saying, it's, go, it's good that I go. We're going to send our spirit in our place. Instead of us being there physically and bodily, we're going to send him our spirit that we share among the Father and the Son. So, man, how are you going to write this down? Instead of Trinity, I get what it's trying to do, but then we think that there's three distinct persons like let's say there's a father son and daughter or something there's just a father and son god is the father and the son and they have a spirit that they share that we know as the holy spirit so as far as as far as that goes as long as in the doctrine of who god is that there's two personalities not three personalities The Holy Spirit doesn't have his own will. You know how like the Father has his own will, the Son has his own will? The Holy Spirit doesn't have his own will. His role is to reveal the will of the Father and the Son, period. And to do the will of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit was involved when our Creator, the Father and the Son, by His Spirit formed and put everything in this in order. Okay, why did I feel... That I needed to do this all again this particular one because we could have just went right to Revelation right say, I don't know how else I can say this if we don't have a proper understanding of the Godhead the persons their roles we cannot know God who he is fully nor his word and by extension so think about it if our view of who God is which what we've covered at great length up to this point He's the Father and the Son that share and have the same spirit. If we don't get that, how are you going to get the Bible? Okay, and then not even get the Bible. Now we're studying Revelation and the end times. How are we going to get Revelation if we don't even have this right? I challenge us, when you read your Bible with this learning in mind, reread the Gospels. Go through the entire New Testament. You're going to hear and see that what I'm saying is the word of God. Check it for yourself, as you said, Cynthia, right? If we're open, look, hey, now I've put it on you this way. Challenge it. Challenge, no, like, because what's gonna happen is, because, and, and I've used this example before, when we look at the Bereans, the great apostle Paul is teaching them scripture, even though he is the Apostle Paul, they didn't take it at face value. They searched the Scriptures to see if that what, what Paul was teaching is true. Do the same with me. Is what This guy, Alex, who is before you, who is making these bold and great claims and arguments, is it not what the Scripture says? And if it is what the Scripture says, and you weren't on that side... Get on that side. For your sake and for mine. Because if we don't do all this, we can't make sense of anything. You know, when, um, when Paul, when he would utter, like, and I get it now, he goes, I pray that your hearts would be enlightened so that you may know the hope of your calling, that you may grow in the grace and the knowledge of him. I get it, what Paul is saying. I get it. He is proclaiming what I'm proclaiming to you right now. And I want you to get it. Because when we say, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my understanding of who God is. Here's a great hook and start for that. Because then when we realize that the Father and the Son are separate, yet there's only one God or one Godhead. That's why I like to use the word Godhead. But you keep them separate, you don't introduce a third child, if you will, in the, whole, in the person of the Holy Spirit, as long as you don't do that, and you're saying there's only two. So I'm not in, if you ask me, I'm not in favor of the word Trinity. I'm not in favor of it, if it's not going to be fully explained. God has a spirit, and, he op- and that spirit is life, and that spirit is by whom and through whom he's created all things. It's part of who God is. So I would say it's the Father and Son and the Spirit is who they are. It's just an extension of them because they're beyond, or the third heaven or beyond. And in order to be in all places and in all things, He does it by His Spirit. Not, it can't be bound by space and time. The account of the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which is the unforgivable Unpardonable sin. And our Lord said something interesting. He says, You know, against the Son of Man, you can sin and there's still hope, basically. But if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you cannot. Now remember, his enemies are his fellow Jews who are holding on to the works of the law. And it is that generation that even came before them that stoned the prophets and that killed the prophets. And the Son of Man is a prophetic title. He is the Son of Man. If you look at Daniel, he's called the Son of Man because he's a prophet. But if you were to say there was a prophet with a capital P, it would be the Son of Man. What he was saying is, look, you can speak against, ill against me as a prophet, just as your forefathers did when they were against the other prophets and even killed them. You can do that to me, and there's still hope. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, who it's Him who gives you life, and it's the Holy Spirit who's also in Christ and shared by the Father. He goes, if you blaspheme against Him, you will never be forgiven. You can't be forgiven. That is the unforgivable sin. Because apart from the Spirit, we can't be born again. And if you blaspheme the only source that can make us born again, and you instead blaspheme Him, there's no hope. For the believer, that will never be the case, because we were born again by Him. We're not going to blaspheme the One that gave us life and gave us faith and raised us up to a living hope again. But for the enemies of Christ, there's you can you know what? So like if you look at those the Jews in Jesus' day, they were so prideful. And our Lord was very descriptive of them that they were whitewashed tombs. They're walking tombs. And if you look at the hardness of what that pride can do, you can take it so far to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is manifesting himself in a miracle and you attribute that to the work of Satan, which was, which was the context, Beelzebul, you're blaspheming the very one... They're so prideful that even though it was right before their eyes and the Holy Spirit is showing himself by the casting out of a demon, and yet they refuse to give him his due and credit and instead blasphemed him and saying that that was from Satan. They've committed the unforgivable sin. So in those ways, and I know this is for another conversation, another topic, but the question may come up, can we do that today? I remember one time, uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I came across a video, and I guess it was hashtag blaspheme Holy Spirit or something, and there was people going on and recording themselves saying, I blaspheme you, Holy Spirit, I blaspheme you. So to answer your question, can that happen today? I wouldn't hold that out, but you have to get, you have to get your heart pretty hard to get to that point so all that is to say is there a point of no return yes yes romans 1 very good jeremy there is a point of no return and um, we all can get there if we allow our heart and our stubbornness and our our hardness of our heart to keep us from from faith and from salvation so with that we will let me have some fun (laughs) that in a nutshell guys that was the excursion we took in our equality with God and unashamed of the Godhead studies. And, I, and look what I wrote here. What, talk about an excursion. I go, that one nearly killed me. You know when you take a detour? I felt like we were on a, a cliff with no lights and that any misstep, I will fall to my death. I know I'm being dramatic, because what we're learning, it, it, it's counter to everything that we know. And I'll, I'll make one last comment on that. We, we are learning that in the last days that the church will be apostate. And the fact that we're just hearing this for many of us for the very first time is telling you that you probably haven't heard it because generally the church is unbiblical and not balanced in its gospel Presentation and not even balance in its representation of who God is, and are holding to the doctrines of men. We're, we're getting fed from these seminaries and these books, uphold, and then there is some theology concerning Christ and his deity, and we're just holding the line and not testing those teachings when confronted with Scripture. So, I, I guess the lesson here if your gut says something's off here. Don't put your faith in man's interpretation. You have the Spirit in you. He's making you feel a little uneasy, like there is this truth, or you're saying this is true, and yet it is, it is not jiving with what I'm seeing in His Word and the Word. Don't ignore that. And that's when the Holy Spirit can work in our hearts and in, in, His, in His timing, He will reveal that truth, and it will bear fruit.
0: Thank you for joining us at Truth Matters Church. We do hope you were blessed and maybe even challenged by this message today. If you have any questions or comments, we would greatly appreciate hearing from you. You can connect with us through our website, truthmatterschurch.org. And as a reminder, you can find all of our messages archived online for free so you can listen, review, or catch up on our studies at any time. Just drop by our website at truthmatterschurch.org. We'd also like to encourage you to tune into our studies live on Friday nights through our website, again, truthmatterschurch.org, and on Sermon Audio. Contending for the faith, one verse at a time. This is Truth Matters Church.